You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Thank you for logging into Thank You for Your Servers. I am Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way, and joining me is my brother from another mother, Gary Guthrie, and this is our almost weekly rant about the tech topics from a uh, of the week from a liberty perspective. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, you know, it's been a, a heck of a week. Sorry we missed a recording session last week, but between travel and life uh, on both our fronts, um, things, you know, can get a little hairy. But we're back. Everyone calm down. We're, We're here. here, yes. Yeah. Everybody calm down. Yes. I can sense the anxiousness. <laughs> yes. And it's really, don't throw us off. We're really trying hard here, so. Yeah, right. Remember, give us the 100-episode challenge. If we can make it to 100 episodes, then we'll be golden. This and other prod, uh, podcasts are brought to you by the MLGA, Make Liberty Great Again Network of Podcasts. And this week, well... I guess the elephant in the room is more Sino panic when it comes to uh, our friends Huawei, right? So here's the story so far when it comes to the Huawei controversy in um, in conjunction with this just debacle of a trade war. So on May 15th, the Trump administration added Huawei uh, to the Department of uh, Commerce's entity list. So you may ask, what is the entity list? Well, let me read you some um, government ease. As a supplement number four to part 70, uh, 744 of the EAR, the Export Administration Regulations contains a list of names of certain foreign persons, including businesses, research institutions, governments, private organizations, individuals, and other types of legal persons that are subject to specific license requirements for the export, re-export, and transfer in country of specific items. These persons comprise the entity list. Of course, that is part of supplement number four, part seven, four, four. Doesn't that sound like bureaucrat ease? You know? I hate oh. it. when you get into the acronyms and the numbers. It drives me nuts. You know, my 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 uh, niece came home. She just joined the uh, the uh, you know, and I, I, I and I don't want to badmouth the military here, but she joined the Coast Guard. She comes home and all she does is talk in acronyms, acronyms. and stuff. And I yeah, have to tell it takes her, a while. oh my God, as a, stop as a, it. Uh, yeah, as a veteran, I can truly say that it took me at least four or five years to have beat out of me the use of um, acronyms. However, comma, when you work for any government contract, even in the civilian side of the house, you have a nasty tendency to use these stupid little um uh, acronyms. But more on the entity list yep. here. Um, it specifies the license requirements that it imposes on each of the persons as I described above. These license requirements are independent of and in addition to license requirements imposed where uh, elsewhere in the EAR. Um, it gives an example of, you know, if you want to export, re-export, or transfer in-country an EAR 99 item to, uh, to the listed entity, Basically, what it's saying here, because this is getting dull, dull, and I'm almost falling asleep reading this, 
in order to um, continue to license to an, uh, a person or persons on this entity list, you have to get express government approval. You must go about and on bend the knee to the state so you can sell your products. This started a cascading effect where on May 19th, this triggers Google ending its support for Huawei. So, so this basically forced Google to publicly say, hey, we're complying with this order that was uh, that was handed down from the executive branch from the Trump administration via the Commerce Department. Um, uh, they're complying with the order and reviewing its implications. So they're actually working with Huawei behind the scenes to figure out I mean, a way around this. But there isn't many ways around this. All right. For its users of the service, uh, the Google Play and security protection from the Google Play will continue to function on existing Huawei devices. However... Going forward, they're going to be unable to really uh, put Google Play services on up-and-coming Huawei devices. And that includes Honor. If you're not familiar with Honor, Honor is a lower brand um, uh, of Huawei that is doesn't have the Huawei name on it. So it allows them to kind of sell it because Huawei has a really bad tinge in the U.S. market. So this means like there's be going forward, no Google Play apps um, like Map Search, Assist, Assistant, Gmail, etc., on future Huawei phones, and probably going forward, no patches and security updates to existing phones. But wait, the saga continues. On May twentieth, realizing this, uh, and with some, with some, I would suspect some prompting from Google, Huawei was granted a ninety-day reprieve from the Trump administration's Commerce Department. They issued a temporary license that will allow Huawei to maintain its current products for existing customers. This runs out on the 19th of August. And of course, if the trade dispute that is prompting all of this basic economic warfare isn't solved by that 90-day mark, the full force of this ban and its continued uh, listing on the entity lists, again, government lists, um, will continue. But this is not that bad, right? Because it's already been kind of known that Huawei, particularly in its Chinese markets, wants to kind of move away from using um, Andro- um, Google as in particular. They can take Android because Android OS essentially is open source. It just the open source version doesn't have the hooks into the Google services. And truly, the way Google has built Android going forward without those hooks I mean, Android OS is I, but it's not great. Um, remember, um, do we remember Project Firefly or was it Firefly from Amazon who tried to take a stripped down version of Android OS and like put it on like um, what the Fire TV, Fire Sticks, Fire whatever. It was a it was an unmitigated disaster. No one uses those services hardly anymore. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and so like so, but they're working that out. But the other thing. The other shoe to drop on the 22nd was ARM. If you're not familiar with ARM, ARM is a British chip designer uh, that builds and licenses um, the technology that goes in all the chips that you hold dear, from your Qualcomm Snapdragons to uh, to your uh, Samsung's, uh, what is it, uh, what are those chips called? Um, ah, God, I can't, I, I, off the top of my head, but there's, there's a chipset that, that, that Samsung uses um, um, uh, MediaTek is a Chinese company that uses some of ARM's technology and stuff like that. If it can't, if it must comply with this ban, that will cut off a major avenue for Huawei to purchase chips going forward, even for its brand of uh, what they call Hidelink silicon chips. Um, a lot of the technology is licensed from ARM. 
So um, Arm suspends its business dealings with Huawei. The British shipmaker Arm told its employees to halt conducting business with Huawei. Arm is complying with all of the latest regulations set forth by the U.S. government. I don't understand how that's possible because Arm is a British company. But I continue. Um, uh, Huawei later acknowledged the action. Yeah, yeah, you know, we we uh, value our close relationship with our partners, but recognize the pressure that some of them are under. This is coming from Huawei. As a result of a politically motivated decision. They're getting a little snippy now because I would too. Um, we are confident yes. this is a regrettable situation that can be resolved and our priority remains to continue to deliver work us, blah, 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 corporate speak. So... Arm is complying with the latest restrictions. This is what Arm is saying. Set forth by the U.S. government and is having ongoing conversations with the appropriate U.S. government agencies to ensure we remain in compliance. So as we kind of move forward, like, why is this important and why am I sort of up in arms about this? Why have I been on this sinophobic, technopanic, you know, kick? Because this is trade war. This is trade warfare and it's beginning it's the beginning of very dangerous precedents. This is economic warfare at, 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 at the highest levels. This is state actors well, doing very yeah. When you when you have a when you have a companies. yeah when you have a state who can basically tell you exactly what you can do, how you can do it, when and where you can do it. I mean, I don't I don't understand how this isn't a red flag for anyone. You know, I have friends who see this kind of stuff going on and say, well, you know, they're looking out for our best interests. They're protecting us. And I, you know, it boggles me that people just accept that broadly without even questioning what's really going on. You know, and I, I think what helps for me, you know, is um, I will go to one of my statist friends, you know, and I hate to say, call them statist, but they are, you know, when you just blindly <laughs> yeah, accept yeah, something yeah. without right, questioning absolutely. it, yeah. you know, you, you have to raise the question. And what I found useful is saying, you know, you, you sit here and you look at somebody like a Donald Trump and you say they're the most evil person in the world and they're just absolutely abusing the government or they're abusing their power, whatever. How much of a stretch of it is to say, okay, there are other people who are just as evil as him, but they're just way better at covering it up and 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 uh, yeah, you know, abusing and this, it more quietly. Yeah, and this is not to say that the the regime of of communist China is not the most evilish regime the world has ever known with tech, with a technological prowess to enforce the will and to enforce their will, i.e., talk to the Uyghurs. Of Western China, but that right. doesn't. But I mean, to me, what can what can we, what what are we doing about this, right? I mean, we're as part of the trade negotiations, we're not even pressing that issue, right? And, you know, we're hurting farmers. You know, we're hurting our tech companies. I mean, this is going to have negative implications for global trade beyond just the tech sector. I mean, the global tech sector is so heavily interconnected with, with hardware, software, and licensing. Uh, IP, I'm starting to realize that maybe IP is not a great thing. Yep. Um, <laughs> I mean, th- th- <laughs> this is potentially, uh, this is a trade debacle. This is designed to hurt the Chinese and to yeah. bring them to the negotiating table in these current, in these talks, right? Uh, but right. this will backfire, right? 
let me put it to you this way. Let's, let's say it's this already ends- backfiring. I mean, we had to, we had to, we had to already sign in $19.1 billion in aid to people who are suffering, you know, the farmers that are suffering from this already. Yeah. And God bless the one you know? Republican vote that like stopped that from happening. Now, granted, the pressure that we like brought to bear against that poor congressman because he wanted his, you know, wall funding or um, INS funding. But I mean, right. th- despite his reasoning, right? Because at the end of the day, if that was his reasoning, it's still a status tactic that's, hey, we're going to pay these farmers because of uh, because of our external policy toward the Chinese government. I mean, but like, let's say this ends in the next couple months. Is this a is this a, is this a good thing, right? No, it won't be a good thing, because what no. this what because what happens is, who would ever want to do business with the West again, if at any arbitrary point they could just put you on a list, government list, and make yep. and, and cause your business to fall. Talk to ZTE, the last Chinese company that was caught in the crossfire of a of a of a uh, of of the snippiness between the Chinese government and the Trump administration. Um, long term, this will close these markets to U.S. and European companies. Why would I use IP encumbered stuff from the West to build my chipsets or to build or license anything else? If at any point the next time there's a no new Sino panic or in the future, if you get a more liberal administration that is actually going to look at what they're doing to the Uyghurs in the West and be like, all right, we're going to put trade restrictions on you just because, you know, you're, you know, repressing people you've created this kind of authoritarian orwellian state you're throwing people in prison camps and stuff like that maybe we won't trade with you or maybe we'll put you back on this list i'll tell you right now i would not yeah i wouldn't do it um there's there's too much at risk and you know and i'm not going to put my eggs in that basket sorry yeah you know if you those are the games you're going to play and this is where you know the liberty angle comes in right free market right I've got a product and there's demand for this product. Yeah. Let me sell it. Yeah. You no. know, you get, you, I said this, even if the company you think you're dealing with is, is evil incarnated, which I, I don't think Huawei is nearly as involved with the Chinese government as people fear it is. I do. I do understand that at the end of the day, there have been numerous cases over the last decade. that's definitely proven that there is a, ongoing, slightly clandestine uh, Chinese corporate espionage operation that has its tentacles that, that were for which the Communist Party of the state has its tentacles in some of these companies. But at the end of the day, what, what the interconnect, this, this should actually prove that the interconnectedness of our software, hardware, licensing and other type of trade stuff makes it very, very difficult for them to like exert that power long term. But Right. And it does it does kind of self-control through those those connected agreements. Right. It it, it kind of protects it from full blown Chinese government ownership, which is the fear. Right. Right. Which is for the most part unfounded. I think the motivation is there, but I don't think the ability is there. Yeah. If you're going to attack the Chinese government on this issue, on the issues uh, of of importance all right i mean add this to the list of other stories where you know the sinophobic stories about if 5g is another example of this um huawei is is intricately involved in that debacle and that kind of um 
I don't know, high stakes poker game. Um, but I mean, this is this is not good for global trade. It's not good for the future of techno te technological progress moving forward. We are very interconnected to the East Asian markets, you know, and. Right. To end on this note, man, where goods and intellectual property are not allowed to cross borders, I think cyber armies will. You're giving them the incentive to employ tactics in the future that you fear they're going to in employ if you do this again. And um, I did not even I didn't even go there in my mind. But you know what? I, br I think you bring up a really good point. Right. You're 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 basically saying your only choice now is to cross that line. Yeah. Dangerous stuff. And yeah, I, ah, this, these techno panics. And I mean, when you get your, when you got your neocons and your new right, you know, your new right Republicans and your conservatives and your Democrats and everyone else kind of coming on the same page of wanting to regulate and wanting to get in, become the very, become this, this interfering middleman in the process of free trade. This, right. and, and not even getting, and that's the thing, not even getting the concessions necessary to, hey, how about we stop giving you access to this technology if you stop repressing your Muslim people in the West? We're not even getting those types of concessions. So, no. um, yeah. Uh, uh. And we won't. <laughs> no, I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't no. think Here's we will. Deal. That's a very little secret. Like, I mean, at least the New York Times is starting to realize this. And, or, or, you know, and there have been stories about the Uyghur problem for five years and like the new technical angle to that is they're using all these technologies that i saw last week um when it comes to machine learning and ai and big data and surveillance and 5g and wireless technology and stuff like that to suppress people um maybe we should hold back on our intellectual property and software going to said chinese companies or companies that are supplying these types of technologies that are allow, allow them to suppress millions of people i don't know well i'm done ranting about that it's, i'm very upset about that but i uh i, I think hopefully we'll see what happens in the coming weeks it's kind of and it kind of kind of leads me into yeah it'll next. be it'll be interesting to watch going forward and uh you know, I, I, my hope with this whole thing is that, you know, hopefully there's an awareness that people are having that that maybe uh, motivates people to seek a little further instead of just accepting what they're being fed. Because, you know, I it, it's kind of conspiracy theorist sounding, but at the same time, the reality of it is we're being fed crap because... Number one, they have to convince the public of what, you know, their legitimacy in putting Huawei on the list or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I think it generates a lot of unnecessary fear, like, you know, the, as you're calling it, the Sinopanic. And it's yeah. culturally not helpful. Yes, this is this is true. Kind of like the Russia panic. Right. Um, oh yeah, I was I was reading a story not too long ago, a couple years ago, where they're at the height of this Russia collusion nonsense about how like Russian like tech workers and stuff were finding a hard time getting VC funding um, for for companies they were co-founding in the valley. They were having hard times finding work um, because of you know um, their apparent Russian ties and stuff. And the and and and, and it's it's funny xenophobia tends to be blamed on the right um, when it comes to, you know, cultural issues. 
But when you look about it from an economic standpoint, the thing where the right and the left have a tendency to agree xenophobically in, in the xenophobic nature is like trade and 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 yeah. panics. And you've seen it before, and I, and I think we'll see it again. And a lot of the Sino panic and a lot of this that has led to this trade war, which is something that, I mean, let's be blunt. This is what the Trump administration has said it was going to do going forward. The MAGA types cheered it on, not understanding that its implications was going to be dire. And that kind of leads me into this topic number two with why Uber Uber's IPO fail, right? Like Uber had a terrible IPO. And yep. they had a terrible IPO on the tenth because these trade um, this, 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 these, these, these trade disputes started flaring up around that time, and there was market like volatility at that time, and their IPO price was set and their IPO date was set, and they happened right about the time we started imposing tariffs, they went IPO. So they started at forty two. They got as low as thirty six. Now they're they're, they're kind of back <laughs> up to like forty two, um, but. There's a bigger angle here, right? Uh, one, linking back to our previous topic, right, of the Sino, Sino panic, and i.e. the trade war um, and its detrimental effects on markets because, you know, markets don't like this type of volatility. Also, to get to the SJW cultural angle, people have been hating on Uber for years. And it's in... Bro culture, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And they've... And I, I think... Even if these these trade talks and this and this kind of um, you know trade war thing was a, a downward pressure on the market, from a fundamental standpoint, even though the company is losing a tremendous amount of money a quarter, it's so huge. It's it's become of an it's become um, the vocabulary of how one gets around in the urban setting, and right there have been company there have been blogs mainly tech blogs. Who've been talking down the company because of its bro culture? You know, it was kind of a you know, as coming after Facebook, it was had more of the Facebook philosophy of move fast and break things. Um, they you know skirted some of the laws in their in the respective cities that they launched, which I don't I don't care. I think I think God it's bless them. Yeah, I think it's better to ask for forgiveness and to ask for permission because if you ask for permission, you'll never get <laughs> you'll you'll never get access. Or the it's the new innovation, really. Market. Yeah, yeah, this is absolutely true. Um, so, I mean, they have their social justice, you know, CEO. Uh, do we dare attempt to try to pronounce his current name? I don't know. I'll say Dara. Dara something. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we we're do. on a first name basis. We're on the, the first name CEO basis with the tech CEO. Um, he didn't get his $100 million bonus um, because they didn't reach targets. Um, there. I mean, you had. I don't remember the New York Times article. I will try to find it and put it in the show notes about the immorality of the fact that a company like Uber goes public when it's just like, do you know that Uber has done more morally, done more to, from a liberty angle, right? To do, it's done more for people than what you know, you SJ warrior, SJW types will complain about when it comes to their culture and. You know, maybe some, you know, sexual improprieties with some of the board members and and, you know, the first CEO being hated because he was kind of a ruthless guy and stuff. And it's just, you like, know, you're running the you're, you're running the risk of doing the uh, boys will be boys thing. Right. Um, I am. Just I am running the risk out. of doing the boys will be boys thing. <laughs> and I know that is not an excuse. That's not that is not an excuse. But as I like to say to people, 
just because it's not an excuse doesn't mean it's not a reason. And so, like, the, the company is what it is, and it, it, it became what it is what it is. And with the departure of the uh, employee number one this week, um, uh, leaving the board of directors, um, it, by his name is Ryan Graves, um, they're basically cleaning house and making sure that the company is now ready and poised as a public company. They're kind of jettisoning their kind of past indiscretions. And but I mean, people were right. people have been gleefully looking at the fact that like it could be considered the worst IPO in history because of how bad it performed. But it again, it also ignores the fact that it's been a drumbeat of almost four or five years of down of beating down on the company and anything negative about ride sharing in general. It almost doesn't it almost seem like to you, Gary, that like there's a the powers that be get access to the corporate press and like. They attach onto a narrative about how bad the gig economy is one, but ride sharing is in general. And then they find their they found their ultimate like villain in Uber. And like they've been so this company's been talked down, like even when the Uber car wrecked in Phoenix and killed the homeless person who just wandered into the streets because crazy homeless people do that and they get hit by cars all the time. Um, it's almost like that story keeps there's a there's, there's that nugget in every story about beating on Uber and beating on Uber, and so by the time the company the company does what it needs to do, it tries to clean house. It hires a a a a a a, 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 a CEO who's a, who is kinder, gentler, SJW friendly, and says the right things. Right. And then they still beat on the company for its past. Well, I think they're going to Uber will always be a target because if you. And I, I focus a lot, you know, on I talk a lot about language and culture. When you have a company wh- whose name has become a verb Correct. in the English language, yes, they are going to be the target, whether or not it's you know a legitimate concern or whatever. This is going to be a target, and they're going to have to deal with this going forward in perpetuity. Because it's, I mean, no yeah. one says, "Hey." Uh, I'm going to go Lyft to the airport. Mm-hmm. Sorry, they say I'm going to go Uber, Uber to, to the, the airport. airport. Even if they call a Lyft, <laughs> right? It's kind of exactly. like, like the Clorox thing, right? Or Kleenex. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, oh, all of them. You know, they, what is it? There's a there's an actually a term for it, and I forgot what it was. I actually saw it the other day. You know, when you look up in the in the supermarket at the the signs up above, you know, it doesn't say flavored gelatin. It says Jello. Yes. You know, and I, oh God, what is, now this is bothering me. Yeah, no, no, no. There's a, there's an actual phenomenon for it. You know, Coke. Yeah. That's another big one. Yeah. Coke. Yeah. Right. Like independent on the region of the country, you either call it Coke. And back in the day, you know, IBM, you know, uh, I'm going to go buy an IBM. Nobody says that now, but. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Or a PC, right. Personal computer, right. Because that's where the term came from. It came from IBM personal computer. Um, and PC correct. became synonymous with Windows-based personal computers. And like, yeah, like it, it, you, w- there's tons of examples of it. I just think Uber will ultimately be a hundred, will ultimately have a market capitalization just as equal as Amazon and Facebook and whatever. Um, I believe so. It, it, it will be a huge company. It will, it, you know, they can they can drum up all support about driver, about the driver. Because they do this with Amazon now, with about drivers and, uh-oh. 
shut up, Google. Don't you hate that? That's bad for radio. When <laughs> when when Google Assistant starts yelling at you, um, because it hurt it hurt its name. Uh, um, but it's the new normal. It's the new normal. That and Alexa. We used to cuss Alexa out all the time. But um, yeah. But you hear this all the time, where like the big dog, right? Like even I even start to see stories about like how some of these tech companies hire contractors. Um, for some of their like lower level coding tasks and unit tests and stuff, and they're like they're yep. separate from the actual uh, be it Apple employees or Google employees and stuff like that. And now we need oh now this now this avenue for that has been going on for decades of contractor first and hire on to the main company second. Now that's under assault because in tech it seems. Tech writers have been conditioned over the last decade to not like big and and to not like right. dominant players and to espouse motives to these dominant players that are nefarious all the time. And they don't understand that, like, you're feeding into this this culture and stuff like that where it's it, where companies are afraid to go big, be aggressive. And here's a, here's a dirty little secret. And just this is kind of circle back around to like our first story do you think if a chinese company if chinese companies are ultimately given access easier access to our markets do you think you're going to come in with your values do you think they're going to come in you know they're going to care if you know um huawei's uh chip manufacturers are like you know chip manufacturing arm has slave labor in like bangladesh and shit like no they're not going to care about that right no you almost nope. hobble tech companies now where I fear that because of all this SJW BS, this hatred of bigness, this now we must go on bended knee to D.C. or Sacramento or Santa Fe or or, or Austin or, or Denver uh, for permission to operate in the meat space, M-E-A-T space, as or human space. Um, you're right. going to – are we going to get future Ubers? Are we going to get future Googles? Are we going to get future uh, Facebooks? I, I don't know. I, I, it's it's really hard because if you, if you look at the ones, the Ubers, the Facebooks, the Googles, really their, their big growth and their big bigness is based on a almost a cultural shift, really. And how often do those come along? Well, recently, maybe they've been coming along more than before because we've embraced technology more and, you know, things have gotten smaller and more accessible. But I don't know that we, I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't see the next big shift coming. And if I did, I would invest in it with every dollar I had. But I don't know. It's It's, you know. The future is getting harder to predict. I think. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I think the the best prediction for a future um, that can be predicted is disruption. Um, and right. and and this disruption will bring good and will bring bad. Um, I look forward to it, but these growing pains, man. Oh, they're so disgusting. And like, Uber is just kind of it's this thing that just goats me, right? I mean. You know, now Amazon's a villain where before it was Walmart and then Google's a villain where before it was Microsoft. And it's, it's just it's just mind numbing. And, they, and, and I, 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 just... I, I think, you know, if you're going to go big, that's just part of the game because you're going to be a target like we talked about. It, it, it's just part and parcel of 
that position in the marketplace. And there's no getting around it. It doesn't matter how innocent you are. Someone's going to find something to villainize you for. Even if if Uber has created more jobs, stopped more DUIs, probably um, brought down more carbon emissions by its very existence. <laughs> but they but, but they have a poster of Farrah Fawcett on their wall or something. Yeah. You know? Now they're the most evil person in the world. I know, you know, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, at some point you have to accept that people are human beings and there's going to be an element of disgustingness because humans are disgusting. And you, you know, it's a balancing act, you know. Yeah. How far do you really go? I I have to question, you know, some of these tech writers who are going on the social justice warpath and how much of it is just to get themselves market share in the media space. That's an excellent point. I think a lot of it is. <laughs> I think most of it is. Particularly yeah. when the particularly when the um, Ubers first started getting the ire to tech press. Um, uh, what's her name? It was a it was a it was a tech blogger who left TechCrunch and started her own thing, Sarah Lacey, I think. And her big claim to fame was going after Uber, and then Uber then subsequently then going after her, <laughs> and then her playing the victim. Um, I forgot. I forgot. Right. She she was actually a very smart tech writer and actually got it, but like went straight social justice and uh, feminist victim card. Um, and, and, and you saw it and, yeah. and, and, and it gave, it gave her organization at the time. I forgot what it was called. I won't even give it shine. A lot of tech press. Cause I followed her on, on Twitter cause she was very smart and insightful, particularly when it came to like, um, H1B visas, you know, tech, tech and entrepreneurship. Um, but yeah, something happens. Um, the culture broke a lot of tech writers and i think what it is is they were following this trend of social justice warfare and right and yeah you get shine from it and it's it's kind of disgusting and uh not too, too much belabor it's the point. totally disgusting yeah it's, it's, it's gross <laughs> <laughs> it's gross i'm already getting sick to my stomach and it's not for all the barbecue and like sweets i ate last week all right so uh, i think we'll probably wrap <laughs> it up on the final topic here of like the supreme court uh, rules uh that you can now sue apple this is kind of old but I found it very, very interesting because it, there might be a silver lining to this. And again, it's one of these real deep stories where you have to get into the minutia of it. And I'm sorry for the, uh, the, for the audience if uh, I geek out on this. So the, the case was called like Apple versus Pepper. And it dealt with the issue of whether or not like Apple's uh, 30% revenue cut is a charge that trickles down to consumers. Uh, given that the App Store is a monopoly, meaning there's really no other way to legally get an app on the iPhone, which if you're tech savvy, you, we all know you can. You can get, you can figure <laughs> it out, yeah. Uh, the plaintiffs argue that the size of the cut uh, necessitated app developers to set higher prices to offset it. That's kind of how economics works, right? I mean, to me, it makes sense. Supply like, and well, demand, yeah. Yeah, they're passing on a 30%. So uh, respondents yep. uh, for app, Apple I, uh, iPhone owners sued Apple, alleging that the company has unlawfully monopolized the aftermarket for the iPhone apps, essentially saying that since the App Store is the only place you can legally get iOS apps that makes uh, uh, an app, uh, uh, it, this makes the App Store a monopoly that forces developers to charge 30% premium for their apps that is passed on to consumers and hence not fair. If you followed that logic, 
it's not logical. But if you followed it, that's basically saying it's like, not logical because, <laughs> uh, first of all, I don't consider this a monopoly at all because any iPhone user can ditch Apple and go get an Android phone. Correct. You know, I don't I don't understand the underlying assumption that I have to have an iPhone. You know what? That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. No. I mean, so. So the United States Supreme Court ruled this week, or really it was two weeks ago at this point, um, that users could sue Apple for allegedly monopolizing the App Store and driving up uh, uh, the price of apps because of the 30% premium. It's it's nothing more. It's, it's like me complaining to the local Valerjo uh, gas station here um, that, hey, um, so um, Valero's passing on the gas tax to me, but I'm not going to like bitch at Valero about this. I'm going to bitch at like New Mexico. You know, state highway highway right. department, right? So I'm gonna right. go see those guys because because you charge a tax, which makes Valero pass that tax on to me, and that's not fair. The logic still holds, you know, right? So it, it, right. it right because you know New Mexico Department of Transportation has a monopoly on the roads, right? My roads, right? As we like to say. Right. Uh, so, yeah, mo roads, mo roads, mo roads. Okay, so this means users can sue <laughs> Apple directly for the cost of the apps, where developers are forced to distribute their respective apps and to get thirty percent of the app sales for the privilege. But there's a silver lining to this statism. If you can sue the App Store, then maybe, just maybe, this opens up the floodgates to more frivolous lawsuits that will ultimately chip away at the uh, Apple App Store monopoly and app distribution for iOS. In its pricing model. So, I mean, they might drop to 30% someday. Also, this is the silver lining for me, even though I, I this decision was garbage. Um, and we'll discuss that in a sec. They may also leave Apple and other app stores exposed to other areas of antitrust, most notably free speech, hate speech rules, excluding apps such as Gab. Hmm. So, basically, what that means is, so Gab may have standing... To sue, it's a slivet, right? Because this case was very specific. But it will allow these to go forward. Gab could sue them like, hey, we can't get right. into the App Store. Like, you have gotten, you you monopolize a distribution channel for, you, for us to access people with iPhones. You kicked our app off because of free speech, hate speech reasons. And if you if you actually kind of follow and trace the history of Gab, it's been this cat and mouse thing where, like, it's been very, very arbitrary. From uh, the Google App Store to the I- iOS App Store about how and why they kick Gab off. Love or hate Gab for what it what it uh, the community that it um, it corrals and you know, there's some despicable individuals on there, but that's beside the point. The, you know, if if you can now sue Apple in the in the App Store, that you could probably sue other App Stores and say like, hey, not only is the thirty percent premium you're charging us uh, fair to get access to essentially our customers, but you know, via your platform. But like, why are you denying us access to our customers, i.e. via your platform? That's, there, yep. there, there could be a way. Yeah. So there's no real liberty angle to this because, you know, it's antitrust law, it's Byzantine, it's stupid. Um, and it's kind of, right. and it's anti-property rights from the perspective of Apple and, and this. So our favorite, our homeboy Party, party down Kavanaugh um, delivered the opinion of the court, which was basically, <laughs> you know, um, you know, for this ruling. I mean, you know, he joined Ginsburg, Ginsburg by, um, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan. Go figure. 
Gorsuch, who, thank God, thank God for Gorsuch. I mean, if, if Trump does nothing else for his presidency, appointing that guy to the Supreme Court has been like a win. So in the dissenting opinion, let me read this terribly. And please forgive my um, public school education inability to read out loud. Uh, the key takeaways as to why this ruling was stupid is in the opening paragraph of the dissent written by a boy Gorsuch. Um, more than 40 years ago, an Illinois brick company versus Illinois 431 U.S. Code 17. God, I hate that. Hate blah, that blah, blah, blah. This court held that an antitrust plaintiff can't sue a defendant for overcharging someone else who might or might not have passed on all or some of the overcharges to him. Basically what we were saying. Like, this was dumb. Right. The Illinois Brick, uh, Illinois Brick held that these convoluted pass-on theories of damages violates traditional principles of proximate causation, i.e. proximity, right? So you shouldn't be suing the app store. You should be suing the app developer. Um, Correct. And that uh, the right plaintiff, uh, that the right plaintiff to bring suit is the one on whom the overcharging immediately and surely fell. What I just described. In other words, the standing should be with the developers in the app store, not the consumer for whom the prices are passed on to. So the app developers should sue the app store, or the right buyer of the app should sue the the app developer. The developer. Right. So, so you you sit back and you look at this and you're just like, how the how the hell is this a well, ruling? Well, I think I think that goes, <laughs> I think that goes back to you know again, there the target is gonna be the bigger player. You yeah. Know, no one's gonna go sue. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Gary's development studio for passing on a thirty percent fee or whatever to a consumer. Because it's small potatoes, it ain't gonna nothing gonna happen, and they, and no one's gonna make a stink about it. Uh, everyone's gonna ignore it. We're going after the app store. Correct. Okay. This is yeah yeah. I, I guess you're right. I mean, it goes back to the Uber story, right? Like it's this war on bigness. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? I don't even know if it's a war on bigness so much as just a a, a targeting of bigness because that's how you're gonna get the attention. Yeah. Agreed. It, it, it becomes a war, you know, I guess, but it, it just, it, it's kind of gross to me that people can't see proper causation. They can't get through the fact that, you know, that, that they're being fed a line about the evils of how big Apple is. Well, you know, it's a time we educate ourselves. Right. You can. I can hate Apple because of its political positions, as the corporate culture is holds. Maybe some of its um, practices in the past, particularly when it comes to the App Store. Um, but understand that, like, it is well within their right to do so. Absolutely. Um, I, I, and if they choose to do so, I can choose not to do business with them. Go for it. And I think this decision. I think this decision does weaponize the lawfare state <laughs> against Google, against yeah. Google and Apple. And when it comes particularly to their app stores, I don't like it. I think the no. decision is stupid, but mm-hmm. putting my free speech absolutist hat on, this does open up an avenue for apps that have been discriminated against in these respective app stores. That's Google and uh, Apple's to I, maybe I have some standing lining to be found. 
Yeah, <laughs> that was my little. That's a sliver of a silver lining. I mean, I stretched really hard for that one. I don't even know if it's true, but I mean, the simple fact of the matter is, it does <laughs> open up the floodgates to a lot of lawfare. I think going forward, they'll the thirty percent premium may eventually start to be lowered. I don't think it'll never go ever go away because running app stores are very expensive. Um, sure. From an infrastructure standpoint, security standpoint, you know, you know, um, all that stuff. Um, and, of right. course, not to mention, I, I assume going forward, they're going to need either a combination of machine learning and human moderators and curators, which, you know, to, to go through that stuff. I mean, that, that is still the process that you deal with when you want to put anything in the App Store, uh, case in point, the, um, or even on iTunes, case in point, our very podcast that had to get approval to be on iTunes. Right. And, so, and to Apple's credit, I mean, they've they've they have always the one thing that I think they've consistently done and they've consistently really demonstrated is their ability to make sure that what they allow on the App Store is secure. It's not going to hurt you. And, and, you know, it gives people a lot of peace of mind. So, yeah, you know, to their credit. I get it. Yeah, to the, yeah, they, they've won that argument as far as I'm concerned. Like, even because I have an iOS device and I have an Android device. Like, when I go to the Google Play Store, I still have that slight apprehension about when I download an app, right? Slight. Yep. Where Apple, I don't really, really worry about it, right? And so, like, right. they, they've done, they put, they, they built that mind share, at least even in me, who I'm a hardcore Android guy. Um, who can appreciate some of what iOS offers, particularly when it comes to Apple TV. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I agree. I, I, I think they were. I don't like you, Apple, but I think you were wronged on this, and I think this decision is terrible. I think terrible. they were. All right. I will never buy an Apple device, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. And here's the deal: like, I'm that's the, just I'm, me. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm that guy that like hates Google and hates YouTube and hates what they do when it comes to free speech and stuff like that. But like. I still use Google products. I still use YouTube. And you well, know, it's about finding that middle ground, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I still like it. You know, I'm still, you know, if that makes me evil, it makes me evil. Any other closing thoughts? Any other kind of stories you'd want to squeeze in before we uh, call it a day? Nah, you know, honestly, my week has been so busy. <laughs> as as uh, everybody knows, you know, we didn't record last week. Um just a lot of stuff going on with life, end of school, and uh, that sort of thing. So I've been a little bit lean on my uh, research and uh, watching stuff other than, uh, you know, handling my own life. So I'm going to kind of leave it at that right now and just, you know, have a have a beverage later today. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Still a couple more chores around the house to take care of. Still a couple more things I need to do around the town. But, yeah, I'm going to call it a week myself. Thank you guys for logging, having logged in to thank you for your servers. Again, my name was Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way. I am at Nick Way on Twitter. And my brother from another mother, Gary Guthrie. Not No Twitter yet, bro? No Twitter? Not, not yet? I, I still haven't figured yeah. that out. So, God, you know. God, you're, you call, your, your I, boomer is showing, man. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Where's your MAGA hat, I know. man? <laughs> I, don't, I know. I need a... I need a big flag on my car or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gents, that has been uh, another edition of Thank You for Your Servers. Signing off. Mm-hmm.